Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Underground Sessions. I'm joined by my two best friends in the whole world, Christian <laughs> Chavez. I feel so special. Yeah, yeah, you should, dude. And uh, Michael Spank. What's going on, everybody? We have a very special guest today. He makes quite possibly the most beautiful sounding amplifiers in the world. Do you know who it is, Mike? Mm. Mike doesn't. Christian, do you know who it is? <laughs> I'm guessing it's Tim Marcus. You would be 100% correct. We have Tim Marcus from Milkman Sound here today. Tim, what's going on? Not too much. How you guys doing? Just uh, living the dream out here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm at like someone's backyard barbecue that like where it's like the three best friends and I'm just like the random guy. That <laughs> you can join the friend group, man. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, we'll pull out a table for you. You're I about just, to be the fourth best friend. I brought the, like, <laughs> the Keystone Light or something. <laughs> Stranger brought the bad beer to the party. Nah, we're all about it. Any beer is good beer. You're welcome to join the friend group yeah. if you want. You brought beer. That's the important thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the first step. The right <laughs> vibe. <laughs> um. All right. So tell us a little bit about what if you- I leave with the beer that I brought? Though? <laughs> what if I what if I only drink two and I take them back? <laughs> oh, okay, that's now a you're, tough one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Tim, are you a, a beer taker backer from, from the party? <laughs> I, no, because now I'm like, you know, in my 40s and I have a kid and people come to my house and bring beers and leave them. And I just bring them to other people's parties and leave them there. I'm just like a, a you know, I'm a conduit a beer, for a beer paying it forward out of my house. It's recycled beer. It's the bush that uh, sits back there for a year. And you're like, yeah, let me take this. Is that from, from, is that from Christmas? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe from we'll, we'll bring it. We'll bring it. It's last summer. It's got the corn on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this interview's off to a great start. Yeah, we're off the rails already, which, you know, our our fan base should expect nothing less. <laughs> but um, So talk to us a little bit about where where is your start in music? How did you, you know, from day one getting into, you know, you built your first amp. How did, how did that whole start, that whole journey? Uh, I mean... What, like when did I start playing music or I mean that was when I was like a little kid I started you know I grew up in the kind of late 80s early 90s and I just wanted to like be in like a hair metal band and shred guitar so I started playing when I was 10 and learned like you know all the Zeppelin songs and whatever and then I just I've been playing in bands um, and like writing songs and stuff from middle school all the way Till now, and uh, then when I lived in New York for a while, well, I had a, I had a job, when I lived in Vermont. I went to college in Vermont, and then I, after college, I, I got a job as an audio engineer at like some of the clubs there, and I also had a job like fixing TVs and stereos, and that kind of was the start of like tinkering with electronics, like kind of after college, and then I moved to New York and I started playing pedal steel. And, um, I started like building some recording equipment, mostly just for myself and friends. Um, and then, let's see. Then I moved to San Francisco and I got a job working in like the kind of museum industry, um, building exhibits and, um, this company I work for, we also built like recording studios and theaters. And I got really like immersed in electronics at that point. And that's when I decided to. I take a crack at 
doing like amp modifications for my own stuff. And I built some clones and I like modified my twin reverb until like I was happy with it. And then I just kind of decided to make an amp from scratch just for pedal steel. And that's kind of like where the start came from. And then I have this good friend of Vermont named Preston Lee, who's a guitar builder. And, um, I don't know. I must've told him about it and he must've told some friends about it. And like about a month later, I got this random email from Greg Lee's. He was like the top steel guitar guy in, you know, in the world probably. And he wanted to check it out. So he came to San Francisco and borrowed it and wanted to buy one. And he was my first customer. And then people saw him playing it and it just kind of organically happened. That's awesome. I never really like, I didn't set out to like start a company or do anything or all just people kind of like wanting stuff and I would just make it. And then it wasn't bad. And that's just (laughs) kind of where it went. <laughs> so I love the origin stories you know, just, like this because we've talked to quite a few, you know, boutique pedal builders and guy who makes some custom guitars, and um, it's just it's just awesome. Basically, all of these people were like, I got some sort of start, or I decided to tinker for fun, and that fun turned into someone emailing you or like, hey, so I'll buy this, and then it just snowballs out of nowhere, and they're like, yeah, and now I'm here somehow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I so I used to work at this like electronics recycling place, fixing televisions and stereos. I didn't know what the hell I was doing at all. Okay, like, <laughs> not, I was not capable, but I kind of learned on the job. And then the other thing is like I would find these old like Japanese stereos and stuff that had those like forty-five, fifty-eight chips in them that people like to modify the tube screamers with. And so I would just like. You know, I'd spend like six hours just like hacking those things out of there and stockpiling them, and then like modify two <laughs> screamers for like every band in the in Burlington, Vermont. <laughs> and uh, you know, that's kind of like, yeah, just you know, it's I honestly I think a lot of this like tinkering and stuff was just because at the time eBay was like really new, and it was like a good way to like supplement money for a musician was like buying broken stuff and like fixing it and putting it on eBay. And, uh, that's kind of well, at least where my tinkering started. It's just like a survival thing. <laughs> so, yeah. the, so the world has milkman amps because you just went down the rabbit hole of electronics. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, I didn't have anyone <laughs> to fix my stuff when I was in college. I like kind of figure out how to fix my own gear and friend stuff and, yeah, this yeah. Is the world seems... was different back then. You didn't have like an internet and like forums and people telling you like what to do to fix stuff and YouTube and all that stuff makes it so easy now for everyone to kind of keep their rig going. Like, you know, I was like soldering cables and things and just trying to keep everything working so I could play that weekend, you know, without just, just trying to keep it alive. Out. Yeah, keep it <laughs> Was there any terrible yeah, exactly. moments in your tinkering before you uh, knew exactly what you were doing? Any any explosions or anything like that? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you got to blow some shit up. I blow shit up <laughs> to this day. <laughs> but I'm sure now That's it's different. Pushing the limits today. 
now I know when something's about to blow up, so I don't like shock the shit out of myself. <laughs> so that's good. I can like tell it's I'm I'm I've had it happen so many times now that I can like be like, oh, that's about to go. <laughs> he knows when to run for cover, <laughs> like exploding tubes. Yeah, exactly. When to pull the plug. <laughs> it's an important skill that you you have to learn the hard way. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, when it comes to tubes, you know, they're made out of glass, and glass breaks, and bad things can happen. So you got to be careful. Sounds terrifying. Honestly. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it is, if you're not used to that, this is the conversation I have with Josh Scott, like from JHS pedals all the time, where he's like, I'll never build, and he's like, I'll never build an amp. It's too much voltage. Like, <laughs> okay, but you like, you'll like drive or ride a bike, you know, much more dangerous day-to-day activity, you know, like you, he had some huge bike accident, like a couple of years ago. And I was like, that doesn't happen when you build an amp. <laughs> you're, you're not you're wrong. Cat. Yeah. <laughs> Way to throw just, it in his face. Just going after Josh Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to backpedal a little bit here. So you said you started out wanting to be like a hair metal shred God. And then you got into playing pedal steel. Like how does that kind of transition happen? Like, how do you go from being like, I want to be well, metal God to like, I'm going to make this beautiful, pristine. Well, cause I was like the eighties, you know, like my, I was like, you know, in the eighties when I was a little kid, I the only music I really got exposed to was like what my, like, what I hear on the radio or like what my parents would like, you know, allow me to get at the store. And like, I didn't know anything. So like, I was like way into like Def Leppard and stuff, which, you know, that stuff holds up, I'd say. But um, some of the other hair metal from that day, like, does not hold up. Um, but, yeah, then I kind of got, you know, I started smoking pot and stuff. And I got into, like, jam bands, Zappa, things like that. And it just kind of broadened my horizons. And no more hair metal. And then <laughs> I kind of realized at some point that, like, a lot of my favorite songs on, like, every record that I loved, like, the thing that was different about them was they were the one that had pedal steel on it. So, and I also, there's this, there's this guy in Vermont, I think he's passed away since his name is Gordon Stone. And I was working at the club there, like doing sound and I would do sound for Gordon Stone all the time. And he's a great pedal steel player. And I never really like knew much about it until like, I kind of saw him playing it. And, uh, like it just was an instrument that I like heard the sound of, but I never really knew like what it was. And, uh, yeah, so I ended up like recording one of his records for him in his like living room or something, and, and that's I was cool. Interested in the pedal steel. I love those recording sessions where like, oh yeah, I recorded this in a bar or somebody's backyard or. Uh, <laughs> mean, uh, yeah, it was like we just did it over a weekend. Like the bass was in one spot, and there's this is like kind of prodigy fiddle player that set up in one area and then Gordon set up in another. And I was just kind of like behind like a pile of, you know, like a table with a bunch of stuff piled on it, like in the other room. <laughs> and they just did it live and I mixed it in my like college bedroom pretty much. <laughs> it sounds exactly how yeah. we record our live sessions. <laughs> it's usually a pile with all, I have yeah. all the audio gear stacked up in front of me. 
Yeah, we're trying not to trip over our uh, yeah, I think our cables while we're me and Christian are running around with cameras. <laughs> yeah, I recorded that on ADAT. So I don't know if you guys remember ADAT machine. No idea. Nope. nope. They're kind of like, oh wow, you guys are must be a little younger. <laughs> the ADAT machine was basically like a it was like a VCR. It was like the worst of both worlds. You recorded on the ADAT. <laughs> That's terrible. But and it so had eight tracks, and it would record record digitally, and it had this really like smooth like crossfading punch thing that you could do. So it was really easy to punch and stuff, mm-hmm. which was like you know amazing at the time. But so it was digital, but it was also like tape. So like the tape would end, and you like <laughs> you only have a certain amount of time per tape, like a, like a tape deck. Yeah, but it was also digital, but it was like early digital, so it sounded like shit. And then it was like tape, which means like it could get jammed in the machine and you could lose everything. And it was like a, yeah, it was, it was really the worst technology. So <laughs> the quality was bad, time. and the the reliability was terrible. Basically, yeah, yeah. If you're if the tape got caught up in like the pinch rollers or whatever and eaten, like you would lose, you know, the whole like days worth of work. But then the cool thing was you could sync the two machines together. So I had two of them and I had like 16 tracks basically just across like two machines. Mm. I'm sure if you look them up, they're probably, you can probably find them on reverb and stuff. I'm sure they're dirt cheap now if they even work. <laughs> but there's, there's and, a reason uh, I guess we've never heard of it before. Yeah. It's kind of faded into existence. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Once like the digital audio workstation came out, like it was a pretty big game changer. So are you still recording these days? No, not anymore. So now I'm on the other side. I just get to play much better. I have friends that are like, that have studios that are way better at it than I ever was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, especially here in San Francisco, like there's some like world-class studios here mm-hmm. that people run. And, um, you know, well, I don't, Whatever I'm like tinkering around and like my like on home recording is not going to be the same. So anything that I'm trying to do that's like somewhat legitimate, like demos and stuff, which is mostly what I do in studios now, is for like milkman stuff. I'll just go there. Do you have any? Easier. Do you have any studios that have your products as like a like an option for the artists? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hyde Street Studio C, which is like an iconic studio in San Francisco. Um, they have a, one of my, I think it's pretty early. I think it's like, it's the pre-John Mayer like era. They have one of my creamer amps that they use for like everybody. Like so many people have used that amp. That's it's like pretty awesome to have it there. That's a studio mm-hmm. where like the Grateful Dead recorded and Herbie Hancock and Credence and... Oh wow! Crosby, Stills, Nash, like every, like every iconic album that came out in like 1970, like, and that was recorded in the San Francisco scene, like, was probably made in that room, just because they were not there. That building was still under construction, and like the big room wasn't done yet. So a lot of the iconic records were made in the Studio C, which is like the little room. Hmm. And, Again, back um, to your, your yeah, setup Jerry, last time. Jerry Garcia made, he, like, there's a big picture of Jerry Garcia playing in there, like, playing pedal steel in, like, this little spot 
And it's like whenever I get hired for a recording session, like I try to use that spot. Get the Jerry mojo. <laughs> you got to channel Jerry. Just get it all out there. Yeah. Well, I know that like 50 something years ago, he sat here like that'll steal. So. I think that's yeah. like. So it should work there. the same, right? It's one of the mystique about those studios, man. There's some studios that you see people have come in here and you're just like, it's just there. You can feel it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially in what place where you know some album that made like history was recorded. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, like that same room. I think, I think Headhunters was recorded there. That Herbie Hancock album. Wow. Like, yeah. That, that album, like, changed a lot of people's minds about a lot of things i think mm-hmm. and so did american beauty and um was it american beauty? i think american beauty was recorded there or maybe it was oh really it's one of those two yeah so you have one of your amps in a really famous studio do you ever i don't know, have that thought that you could be listening to a song you don't even know that it's recorded through your own amps like that must be I a mean, little that weird happens. Yeah, so I so Greg Lee is the guy that I was talking about before, the pedal steel player. He played on the Daft Punk album. And I like it was like the last like Daft Punk album. The one with like Get Lucky on it. Really? Wow. If you listen closely, there's a couple songs there's a couple songs with Laugh Steel and a couple songs with Pedal Steel. Interesting. And he recorded on that album with my creamer that I lent him to check it out when I like just built it. He still <laughs> like, has I it. Just, like, it was just this thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, try, I made a guitar amp. You want to try it? And I lent it to him for like a couple months. And he's like, I don't know if you've ever heard of this band Daft Punk, but like I used it on that. I was like, you used it on the Daft Punk? <laughs> Pretty small artist. You yeah. probably never heard of them. They're but. just only internationally known. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like, yeah, he was just like, ah, oh, it's some band that like hired me to play Battle Steel. And I don't know, it's like from French guys. <laughs> so, yeah, like if you listen to that record, I think that must have come out 10 years ago or more. But yeah, I can you, see the album cover in my head. I don't yeah. know the name of it, but that's funny. Just some French guys. Yeah, so one with Get Lucky on it, and there's, there's a couple of songs that have Battle Steel and Last Steel, and there's some B sides that were on the Japan release. That are, have like a lot of pedal steel on them. But those ones never got released in the states for whatever reason. So we're flying to Japan, boys. Yep. We're going to get some Daft Punk B sides. <laughs> um, I think you can find them on YouTube. So oh, you can stay right where well, you where's, are. Well, where's the fun in that? You know, <laughs> I've flown to Japan. It takes a really long time. <laughs> So one of the things I'm curious about that I've always noticed kind of going along with like uh, you randomly discovered your your amp was used on a Daft Punk album was like I noticed that you don't really promote who has your albums, which I kind of like in the sense of like, you know, the product speaks for itself because it absolutely does. But like I'm also curious, like there's like all these rumors on, you know, Reddit and different things on the Internet of like, Oh, I think this is this is what he's using. He's using this milkman creamer or whatever it is. Is that by design oh, yeah. or well, I'm I'm glad you 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 picked that up. That's very perceptive. I rarely if ever post like any something on social media about somebody who's using like a milkman. Like I just don't I don't know. I like 
posted one thing once and I was like, this is kind of annoying. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to do that. Like, so I just said, yeah, I just post pictures of the ants. That's it. Or like other little things or like, you know, me on like a vacation or something with my kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Cause well now I don't even know who uses what, but sometimes in the stories I will like on Instagram cause I know they're going to go away. Yeah. But yeah, like there's some like some pretty like heavy hitting artists around the world that use them. And like some of them I know about, some of them I don't, but I don't like post them because people, cause it's, I find it like someone else can find it. They can find it on their own. Not, that's not what I want to have like cluttering up my social media that I only post on like once every week and a half or whatever. Yeah, for so, sure. It's like, I want it to be like a gallery, you know, I don't want it to be like, you know, Oh, here are all my show. endorsers yeah. and my Dorsey's and everything. And look, here's my, look at how yeah, awesome I am. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I've never done endorsements or anything like you know. That's just not. I've never done that. So, which is kind of a lot of people email me thinking that I do, and I'm like, no, I don't. And then that's kind of usually the end of that conversation. Damn, that there uh, goes yeah, our options, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, no. You're free telling me you don't stuff. sponsor podcasters for guitar. <laughs> Now, <laughs> what a twist that would be! Yeah, right. For first signature artist right here, <laughs> they're podcasters. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there is a picture. I think it might have actually be one that I posted on my page of Mark Marin, like in the, my Nam booth, like a long time ago, like playing. Oh, really? My amp, so I was like, oh, he'd probably be a pretty good customer because he's like, you know, he always he plays guitar, but I don't think I don't. I love Mark Maron, but he really, I like, don't know if I've ever seen that picture. Who are some of your favorite? Somewhere out there. Who are some of your favorite artists? That well, like podcasters? Use them. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite Chicago-based um, podcast? Well, well, my favorite Chicago-based artist that uses them is probably going to be Wilco. There we go. Okay. That works. They, Greg, uh, Jeff was like an early, early like customer. I really? don't know how the hell he found out about it, but yeah, yeah, I built some amps for him, like in my like bedroom, basically my old apartment. Wow! And then uh, Nell wanted one that I built like when I was in a small shop, like before I was in my current, before I was in the bigger shop, and then the shop I'm in now. So like three shops ago, and that's that's an amp that I've surprised like i was like okay he's using it <laughs> like yeah. they have like all the gear in the world but you see like there's some video that came out last year i think where they're on a rooftop and he's using the red milkman mm-hmm. and um then he like mentioned it on the fretboard journal podcast that he uses it and all the time and i was like oh great everything else is uh you know it's not like i went after like trying to get him to use my amp he just like wanted it and got it and actually uses it so that's, that's awesome great. Nels is that's, such a that's nice that's what it's guy. all about yeah I uh, yeah I've yeah. only I've I've one story about Nels I was um where we're close with Soldier Strap so I was with uh, Soldier at the South Sound Fest and uh we're packing up the booth it's the last day it's Sunday the festival's over and I'm just I have my head buried in all this merch I'm packing boxes and Nels pops in looks at me and says sorry I didn't have time to shop with you guys I'll come by next time and I didn't say a word I just stared at him like, I can't believe Nell's just 
talk to me. <laughs> He's kind of intimidating in that way. Uh, like we went and saw they uh, they played at the Fillmore a couple years ago. I think this was like before COVID. And my wife and I just sat there like waiting for me to like get the courage to like go up. And be like I'm the guy who built your amp or whatever. And then I finally like she's like you gotta you like, we gotta get out of here. You gotta go talk to him. I said, okay. So I went up and I and as soon as he knew found out that I was the guy who built the amp, he was like so excited. And we just talked about gear. And then my wife was like, "Man, I wish we just fucking left." Like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, "Okay, I think we're guys done. talking about gear." That's awesome. <laughs> Was there like one artist, like, you know, on the the come up of Milkman? Was there like one artist that like bought an amp that you knew about, and you were just like, "Holy shit, I made it!" Like, this is a real thing, you know? Like, was there just ever that moment after we just talked about Daft uh, Punk? Well, album I mean, and Nels Klein? yeah, I mean, I I feel like I kind of yeah, that was like the first time that Greg and I like, you know went over the amp, I was just like, holy shit, this is like a real musician. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I was like, but I got back, I got like so like lucky with that, like right out of the gate. But then there's some of my like really early customers, I didn't really like even know who they were, but then I kind of, you know, as I got older, I started like listening to more music and I was like, oh shit, that's like that guy. That like, yeah. this guy in Canada um, Grant Siemens, he's an incredible guitar player. Like I knew, I always knew he was good, but I never really like kind of listened to what he was doing. And then I was listening to like the Outlaw Country radio station. They played stuff from like the new Core Blund album, and I was like, or this was a couple albums ago. And I was like, oh my god, that's the guy that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, like played so I was like everything on this album, everything on like most of the Core Blund albums, all the guitar playing. This is Grant plugged straight into a creamer with no pedal. Just like right into the amp. That's like his thing. And he's been doing that for like almost 10 years. And I didn't really realize at the time like mm-hmm. how good that was, you know. And now I do. So I like, <laughs> I would recommend listeners to listen to those Core Blonde albums. They're, they're really good. And Grant is absolutely slaying it on the guitar. Yeah, plug straight into a Kramer with no pedal. That's got to be like a huge compliment for an amp. Yeah. You're not coloring your tone at all. It's just straight amp. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, that's pretty much it. It's just like old school style. It's like mm-hmm. guitar, cable, amp. Done. Plugged just, in. Yeah. Perfection. But I, think a lot I don't of need it anything just, else. It's, a lot of it, I think, is in his hands. You know, that's that's the thing. Well, well, your amplifier—it's probably partially the amp. At the least, amplifier <laughs> exemplifies his playing. Yeah, so. exactly. I'd say okay. I'd say first on the list of like the tone, like would be like the player, but second is definitely the amp. It's like more important. The amp's more important than the guitar. That's a. So, I, I that's, agree. With I'll, that. I'll go with that. Okay. Well, what was that? I think Dylan, the pickups what, are more important than the guitar. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> what was that saying? Or uh, you said something before. It was like your. Like a a good amp will make up for what your guitar lacks, and then if you have a really good guitar and a bad amp, it like holds back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of been my observation of yeah. throughout playing is that yeah, a good amp is better than a you know custom shop Les Paul. You know, if you have an amazing yeah, amp exactly. and you're playing a decent guitar through it, it's going to sound amazing. 
Where like if you have a custom shop Les Paul, yeah, you could play like a yeah, exactly. Like that fifty nine Les Paul through like the PV Deuce. <laughs> like I mean, it's a, it's a vibe, but it's not going to be the same as like a reissue like Epiphone Les Paul through like you know a Friedman like Marshall style amp or something, you know. So. Or a milkman amp. amp. <laughs> you <laughs> missed an opportunity man, yeah. to plug your your stuff, man. Um, but no, I I 100 well, you know, agree. Busy these days, guys. I'm trying to get people to people need to buy, like you know open the horizons to other amps because I'm like I'm I'm so backed up still from like COVID <laughs> orders and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, go. You just need Circle to relieve back some pressure. To milkman in like six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just buy, give you a break. Buy a Friedman or something now, and then go back and buy a Milkman yeah. in six months. There we go. Um, well, the nice thing about the Friedman and stuff is that it couldn't be more different than um, my stuff. So you can have both. Yeah, exactly. It totally works if you've got an extra $7,000 land <laughs> for both of the things. <laughs> <laughs> but what a setup. What a setup, dude. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. So I'm just curious, which uh, which amp is your choice? What's sitting in your living room or bedroom and just is always ready? Uh, well, there's no amps at all in my house, so that's good. Um, is that you? Saw, uh, I, I like rarely get a chance to play. No, it's like I just you know when I like have to learn a band's music or something, I just kind of like play pedal steel unplugged like to my like phone speaker, like listening to music and charting it and learning it and like. You know, and then I'll show up at rehearsal or whatever, and then I'll like plug into something. But if I'm playing a gig, like it depends on what I'm doing. But like my, you know, the most I've, uh, the creamer is the amp that I've used the most for like most of the things, and it's usually the one I grab. Except lately, my bands have been kind of like just creeping up in volume a little bit, and the creamer can't really hang. So I have a TV 40 that I built for when I like released that amp at the NAMM show a couple of years ago. That must've been in 20, the 2020 NAMM show. So like the last one for the shit at the fan. So I kept one of those for myself and I have a absolutely pristine JBL D120 in it with an original cone. And that amp just sounds real good. So I've been kind of grabbing that one, but a lot of the times I just use one of my amp pedals cause I'm just like, you know, it fits in my case, my steel guitar seat. And, um, I just want to like be light and you know, those sound like totally good. <laughs> so yeah. Usually I'll just bring like a speaker cabinet with one of my, with an amp pedal and like, that's what I'll do. So like a lot of my like long, like three set country gigs and whatever, like I'm using the amp 100, a JBL speaker and a pedal steel and, yeah, that's the tone. Super easy. So nice and light. <laughs> I like that you brought up the amp pedal because I've I've been enamored with those for a little while. But um, how how did that come about? Because that's like one of the first pedal platform amps that I've seen that kind of does it right. So like, how was that just something that you were like, I need this, so I'm going to make this? Or was it something that you were like, let's try and push the envelope a little bit and get a tube preamp. Well, I was making, I already, so basically, so there's a guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of the band, the mother hips, they're a California band. And this uh, guitar player, Tim Bloom, he was always kind of like 
emailing me about like what the perfect like travel amp would be. And so the dairy air model, the 30 watt was like my first attempt at it. <laughs> so like, that's like this tiny little tube head. It's 30 watts. It's got like, like just bare bones controls. And it's like, you can plug in any speaker, like four, eight or 16. ohms. He's like, that would mm-hmm. be perfect. And then I started making, and then at the time I had this other amp called the half and half, which is meant for a pedal steel. And so I made like a guitar version of it and the guitar version had tremolo and it also had like a XLR output. I was like, Oh, that's, Oh, and you could switch the voltage. So I was like, now we're getting somewhere. You can like switch the voltage. You can plug into any speaker cabinet and you got the balanced output and it's got like a real spring reverb tank and tremolo and everything. And like, but the only problem with those is they were just, they're a real pain in the butt to make and they're really expensive. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, but you know, we were still selling them and I was selling a lot of them for pedal steel players and I still do. Like I make one, I don't make the guitar version anymore, but I make the pedal steel version and I make one for bass. And both of those are still like pretty popular. Um, and I was working with a friend of mine in San Diego who has a company called Tonecraft Audio and he was kind of, I was, like pretty overcommitted at the time. So he was like helping me build those. Mm-hmm. And then we saw that there was like a new 50 watt, like class D module available. That was like really small. And I was like, Ooh, this can fit into a pedal. And I was like, John, we got to like get this into a pedal. I was like, imagine if we could make a deluxe reverb in a pedal, <laughs> like then basically like take the half and half and just shrink it down into a pedal. How small so can we make he's it? Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, basically like he figured out how to get it all jammed in there. <laughs> like, like if you open it up, it's like such a little puzzle in there. Like it's just like the tube fits in this little spot. And then there's like, you got to have room for all those connectors on the back and the two foot switches and like the module just like kind of fits in. And there's like crazy power supply, like, you know, heroics going on where John was able to like figure out all the different voltages for everything and get it all to work and be quiet. And mm-hmm. yeah, and it just kind of like, I can't, so we had one that we had at that, the NAM show, I think in 2018. And I was like, I can't believe that was one that he like hand built. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't believe that thing like survived the NAM show. It, it was like, <laughs> it did. And it was awesome. And, the people, all the dealers were like, we're ordering them. I was like, okay. And then it took us a long time to figure out how to make like so many of them because people, we just like, they just kept piling on and piling on. Like my first batch was like 500 or something. I was like, this is, so it's crazy. Yeah. um, I was going to say that's a pretty sizable first batch there. (laughs) Yeah. I was like a guy who does everything like one at a time and I still do, but I, you know, but John helped me like figure out like who can build those and like, you know, basically make it good and make it as good. I think it honestly sounds better. Like even though it's only got the one tube in it, like it's equally as good, if not better than my half and half, which is like this hand wired thing that (laughs) it takes me hours to build and it costs much, much more and is larger. And like, you know, that little, amp pedal just like kind of blows it away. I was like, man, John, like he's got some serious shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he took like this like design that we'd already had together and like just 
put it, there's like the honey, I shrunk the kids gun, like shrunk it down into a pedal. <laughs> and yeah, and it's all analog. Like, I mean, the reverb is not analog, but everything else is. And then, you know, John is like a pro audio guy. So he's got like, you know, he knows like all the like sweet chips to use for everything. Like he, he's like, I think the headphone amp should be like really good. Like what you'd have in like a mixing console. So it's like, okay. So like, that's a huge thing that separates our amp pedal is because the, the headphone amp is not like an afterthought. It's like a really, really good, like pro audio quality headphone amp. Like, Interesting. That is really good and loud. Like I remember I had a bunch in the reverb booth um, at that 2020 NAMM show. And like, usually you can't hear anything in headphones um, at the NAMM show because it's so loud, but they're like, you know, Jim from Reverb was like, I could, this is great. You can turn it up loud enough. You can actually hear the pedal through the, you know, headphone. I was like, yeah, it's because the headphone amp is like a beast of a thing. It'll like blow your head off. If you're not careful. <laughs> Actually, I really appreciate that. Cause I, you know, my favorite headphones are, uh, the Sennheiser HD 600s and you need an amp to run that on anything. So I can't use that with my guitar yeah. stuff. I can't use it in certain applications. No one ever thinks about the headphone jack. Yeah. Yeah. It might as well make it good. You know, and same with the tremolo, the tremolo on the amp pedal, it was uh, it's a VCA tremolo. And, um, yeah, at the time, like I had this kind of like set tremolo circuit that I thought was, I was like, this is pretty good. But like, you know, we, John found some like, you know, VCA circuit from like a solid state logic style, you know, bus compressor. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard of those or seen those, but, Mm-hmm. basically like you know what, what most people associate a VCA with the voltage controlled amplifier and he's like oh you know I got it and I can get it to like track the sine wave like perfectly <laughs> so <laughs> like cool so we like kind of made our own waveform that's kind of looks like the bias tremolo waveform and put it in there and like the that tremolo just sounds like good yeah yeah that's yeah, awesome and it's after the reverb or no, it's before yeah it's after the reverb where it should be like on a fender style amp so mm-hmm. you get the like swirly choppy thing going yeah it's definitely definitely its own yeah. unique beast because it's like i um my first experience with your stuff was i i played um i think it was a one watt at um cme and I was completely blown yeah. away. So I was like, I need to like seek out every milkman product in this building and play through it. And <laughs> so, you know, I went through and did the amp and then, um, you know, the creamer and whatever else they had in stock at the time that they bought from you. And like, I was completely blown away, but, but it is its own like unique beast. And it's, it's been something that I've had on the, on the gear list for a while, but, um, it really blew me away the first time I heard it because it's it really is it's it's an actual amp in a pedal you know which is something that most pedal amps don't yeah, actually we, do very well. We keep it. The secret is just keep it analog. You know, like the more the more stuff that's like real, like the better it's gonna like feel under your fingers and like the better it's gonna sound. Like that's why guitar players love tube amps to begin with. It's just like you know they're dead simple. And all the parts are like big and kind of like, 
you know, people that like met breed out of their mouth, like me, like put them together and it's like, Oh, <laughs> transformer tube. <laughs> you know, they just found, they like, they connect with some sort of like, like the Neanderthal, like part of your DNA. Like when you crank it up, you know, so like the digital stuff just doesn't do that at all. In my experience, a hundred percent. I know it's like, it's the future, but, and it sounds okay, but it doesn't feel good. It doesn't, it just feels mm-hmm. wrong. It's like a Tesla. It's like, yeah, it's a car. <laughs> like it gets you around, but like, if you drive it, it feels like complete shit. So, <laughs> try again. Try, try again in 10 years. You just want to see that electricity just run through the tubes. Yeah. <laughs> that visual. Yeah. You want to see the like purple glowing, the pumping, you know, it's an intense feel. Yeah. But yeah, it's got it's got to feel good. Yeah. So, so it seems like you're more of a traditionalist when it comes to uh, analog versus digital. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've been using digital effects and stuff forever. Like, you know, digital reverbs are amazing. Um, digital delay. I, I don't think I could own more digital delay pedals if I tried. You know, like <laughs> every one that comes out, I'll just get for some reason. Like, I don't know, I bought the new Line 6 one, and I was like, why did I get this? <laughs> I was like, I already have a timeline. <laughs> the timeline like, drives me nuts. That's funny. So how is the new Line 6 the one? timeline drives me nuts. It sounds great. And it's, okay. You know. My was, only complaint with it, with it is that it's just a little bit too big. Like, I wish it was, like, one tick smaller. Okay. So that it would fit in my seat with one of my amp pedals, my steel guitar seat, but like that's a really niche, weird complaint <laughs> <You know? laughs> that it's just like, doesn't fit into a pedal steel player seat with yeah. a volume <laughs> pedal and an, and an amp 100. Well, cause I was curious cause I, I, I bought a uh, Strymon Volante and then like three days later they announced the, the DL four Mark two. And I was like, Damn, that would have thrown a wrench into the plan to buy the Volante. Like if I had looked at it, so I was, I was curious. Yeah, I, I had the Volante. I tried it. I I thought it sounded awesome and was good, but it just again, like the timeline, there was something about it for me that I couldn't. It wasn't like tactile enough. It was like, you know, it was too tweaky to get it. Like you know, you know which Strymon pedal I absolutely love is the Deco. It's like perfect. Just like that's the, the one like that I haven't knobs. played yet. Like, <laughs> it's, the, it's the best one. Well, go on and watch their that like demo video with Mason Stutes playing, and it's like it'll that doesn't sell you on the pedal. Like it's just so good. It sounds like saturated and great, and and then uh, yeah, there's like you know two knobs for the delay, which is interesting. Kind of all you need. All right, and if you hit it with your foot, it's like really easy to put it back where yeah. it was unlike the timeline where you end up in like met some weird menu and you can't, <laughs> you know, you'll lose your ability to change presets. <laughs> the, Dylan, Dylan loves the flashy lights. So he loves the presets. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because that's like, I always end up like, like when I get really, you know, down the rabbit hole of like, I'm just experimenting with noises at this point. And then, like, I'll get to the point on the Volante where I'm like, why does my guitar sound like a sitar right now? Like, what did I do and how do I get out of this menu? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I did like that about the Volante, too, where, like, the reverse 
loops and that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you get kind of lost in that. I could barely operate my diddle um, looper. <laughs> you get lost in it, and then yeah. you can't find your way back. I'll record like three tracks, and then I accidentally delete it all. <laughs> happened to me last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens. You know, we use loopers for like testing pebbles and stuff in the shop. And like Chris, who works with me, like he'll spend so much time like setting up a loop. But then we listen to it like so much. And like he'll come in the next day and he's like, you know, he's halfway through like a pallet of amp pedals, like get in the morning and he like turns it on. Like, Oh, there's that loop from yesterday. <laughs> but every once in a while, like it gets unplugged and he's like, no, <laughs> so much time. Uh, like Joe a half Cordy. an hour, a paid half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Cordy from Chase Bliss had uh one of his, oh, what was that series called with the balloon? The balloon. The Chase Bliss. Oh, um, well, is it Analog Heart or whatever? Analog Heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He oh has my god, one where they ridiculous. accidentally delete the uh, the loop, and they they all like freak <laughs> out and then try to like remember what they looped. Man, that series was fantastic. Yeah, Joel is funny, man. He's a, he's a funny guy. Yeah, he's awesome. When we I, interviewed I, him, he was man. like the coolest guy ever. We were so excited to have him on the show. I mean, we're so yeah, I met him at like a bunch of like young up and coming like gear builders had this um, kind of like seminar with Bob Taylor a couple of years ago, well, mm-hmm. a long time ago. So it was like Chris, that's where I met Chris Benson. That's where I met Joel. Uh, that's where I met John, actually the guy who helped me do the amp pedal. Um, I met Doug Cower was there. I think who else was there? Ben Nystrom. He used to build guitars and now he has a, shop in Pennsylvania. Um, the 60 cycle hum dudes. <laughs> like, yeah. But anyway, there was like, there was like all these people and it was really fun. But yeah, we got to kind of hang out with Joel. Oh, Dan Tyak from salvage custom back in the day. Probably a lot of people are like, just turned the podcast off because they never got their deposit back or whatever from that guy. But <laughs> you know, at the time, at the time he was like, he's just, he was a good hang and, like kind of was responsible for connecting us all with Bob Taylor and Bob Taylor had some like really great stories. Right. Like when his business was starting and you know, a lot of the things that he said, like, you know, they're like, I've taken to heart, you know, especially like keeping it small, keeping the shop small, mm-hmm. like don't move into a big factory. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, I would have done that anyways, but he definitely like said that. Uh, yeah, I've always worked in like the teeniest, tiniest shop spaces, and and I, but I have this thing where like I have this old Paul Reed Smith that I got like when I was a kid, and like it was made in their old factory, and like it just that thing just feels and like you can like feel the like smallness of it versus like the newer ones. They're just it's just not the same. Like the ones that are made in the smaller space, for some reason, I feel like have like more mojo to them. That's why everybody seeks the like early versions of everything. Well, I a hundred percent agree. Cause I have, uh, um, you know, you talk, talking about Paul Reed Smith, I have a, a Paul Reed Smith SE and then I have the, uh, the, the custom 24, you know, made in the U S and Maryland in their shop. And it's like, they're like really similar guitars, like style wise, but you're right. There's just some extra mojo to the one that was made in the smaller, 
place in the U.S. than, you know, the one made overseas. And I'm sure that only gets more exemplified when it comes down to the original Paul Reed Smiths versus like what I have, you know? Yeah, I think mine is from 93 or 92. Hmm. It's right. like the most boring Paul Reed Smith you've ever seen in your life. It's just black. <laughs> <laughs> like Rosewood, like you're like I think it's like 22 or 24 frets, and then it's like it's the most annoying guitar to play because they like they put all the like coil taps in the pickup, which mm-hmm. you know when I was a kid I thought it was great. I was like, this one sounds like a Strat, this one's whatever. But now I'm just like, this wire like a freaking Telecaster. Like I want like one pickup, both pickups, or the other pickup. So I might just I don't I don't know I don't want to rewire it though. It's like a it's like a relic, you know. It's like this yeah. old, it's like thirty-year-old guitar. It's gonna be worth something <laughs> I someday. I, I mean, like a kid. Paul Reed Smith, you know, he just keeps getting but, older, and but it's not bright. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not bright purple and has like triple A flame. <laughs> yeah, crazy inlays. Yeah, there's no and... dragon inlaid into it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're just dots. But they're they're abalone dots though. Like they're re- it's real abalone inlays, and um. Yeah, and it's got, like, you know, someone in my, like, jazz improv class when I was a freshman in high school, like, the saxophone player, like, was, like, swinging a sax and, like, chipped it. So, it's, like, it's got, still got that ding on it from, <laughs> you know. So, like, I don't think I could ever get rid of this, like, the guitar I, like, started playing guitar on. I didn't, like, start, it was, you know, it wasn't, like, my first guitar, but it was, like, pretty early on when I was a teenager. So, Did you buy that guitar new yeah, or was that, like, a one. buy at the shop? Yeah, I got a new. I think it was like nine hundred dollars. It was like un- it was an insane amount of money at the time. Yeah, but I mean, like that's my grandparents chipped in, and my parents and like, yeah. Well, it's funny because that's what my my SE from Paul Reed Smith was like my first real guitar, you know, and that was the same thing. Like, like my parents pitched in money and everything, and um, and it's funny you have that that story because like there was a time where. I was sitting down playing guitar, and my brother decided to chase after me with a BB gun. (laughs) And uh, here we are, 13 years later, with three BB-sized indents in the (laughs) in the front of the guitar. So, yeah, yeah, I know. That's when, like, you know, people get their guitars with relics and stuff. It's like you don't really need to do that. You just need to play guitar for a long time. Yeah, you just live with it. You don't look like that. You just live life playing guitar, and it'll do it for you. I always found that yeah, weird, Yeah, so Greg too. Lee's, his, his amp, that was, like, the first one I built for, like, a million years ago, like, the the knots from the pine have, like, soaked through the Tolex in, like, a really interesting way that, oh. like, you see on, like, vintage Fender amps. Like, my my 61 Pro has that. But, like, Greg's amp is, like, so old now. <laughs> it's, like, it's done that, too. I'm like, that's so cool. It just, he's like, I don't know what the, what happened to this thing. But I was like, no, it's, the, it's like a resin. It's like a tree resin. From the, it did it. Like, it looks awesome. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And it just kind of gives it, like, extra character, you know? Yeah. But it's crazy that it's old enough that, like, it just it literally just relic itself. <laughs> and, you know? <laughs> you didn't even do anything. That's the goal. I'm I have trying a friend to who's got, um, <laughs> yeah, just beat the shit out of stuff tonight in the garage. <laughs> um, we don't even play gigs. We but just, I have a friend who's got, <laughs> we just throw I don't shit even play guitar. guitar. Yeah. I just, just beat up the guitars, you know? guitars and make it look cool. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I do those amps that are like, 
you know, in the hardwood cabinets. And people mm-hmm. are always like, oh, I could never play that because whatever. And I'm like, no, it's like they look cool when you beat the shit out of them. Like <laughs> my, one of my bandmates has a, a Milk Century Modern one. And I like, I was playing with him at the Ivy Room in Albany, California. And I like saw it like just fall off the stage. <laughs> like, and you just kind of look over and shrug and like, you know, but it looks cool when it's got some like roadwear on it. You know, it looks, I mean, they look, they look good new, but they look good when you, Thing up the walnut well, it, too, it or whatever they're made out of gives it some sort of uh i don't know statue of reliability because you're like you know this milkman am's been through some shit and it's still running so yeah right you know this isn't some you know i don't know the inside oh yeah you guys these things these things are like unkillable like that grant siemens who i was talking about before before blunt he he told me he was in some like terrible car accident he like went off the road and the car rolled and like the amps were in the back of a pickup truck and they were just like flung into a field in the snow <laughs> in Canada, like in the winter. And he just like, you know, collected them and like brought them to his tech and like the tech just like, you know, replaced the shattered tubes and put new ones in and it just was fine. <laughs> That's insane. So, like, yeah, you don't have to like baby this stuff. Like people always say like, asking me about that i'm like no you can like throw it out of throw it out of a window if you want like yeah <laughs> they're meant to sounds like one of those stories they're meant where you, to uh, be like you sounds like one of those stories where you you didn't wear your seatbelt and you're flung out of the car to safety all the amps <laughs> just were flung out to safety yeah yeah that's why they used to design cars right <laughs> like that's a car the car stopped and you flew out like race cars. I think used to be literally they were designed that way so that you didn't burn in the fire. <laughs> they were they were designed when you they crashed they would just launch you out. <laughs> they called engineering they guys. Come on, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least you didn't burn to death in like a fuel fire. <laughs> Break your neck or burn alive. Yeah. Choose your like original race car drivers would not wear seatbelts because it's better to be away from the car in a crash. <laughs> yeah. Right? I think there's, 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 there's something to that. I think I didn't make that up. I think I heard that somewhere. Should should, should prompt that to uh, FIA for F1. <laughs> yeah, there we go. What if they just didn't wear a helmet, dude? It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can't see out of it when it rains anyways. We're not turning this in F1. We're not, we're not a racing <laughs> podcast, even though this is might be one of the first episodes we've done that brought up racing. Yeah. Yeah. Back to Am. Should I enjoy yeah, it? I don't know anything about racing. We're we're all three of us are big fans, but (laughs) yeah, it's uh it's actually ten thirty here in Chicago, ten thirty at night, and we're about to watch the Japan practice after this. Is that oh yeah, it will be yeah okay okay anyway, um anyway Anyway. amps amps music yeah um so you mentioned your pedals a little bit Uh, I want to talk to you like when did you decide to go from the amp and then to like the pedal amp to like the pedal pedals you know like <laughs> like when did you um, was it a, a gradual thing or did you just think there was something i could do better than what's on the market right now well i think it was more just that the effects and the original amp pedal were just so good to me that people and you know they were just like i don't know the tremolo that vch tremolo that we had and they were just so good um that we wanted to make a pedal i was like let's just do the, the reverb too so that really was just like, let's get the sounds of the amp pedal, but with, that's just a pedal so that it's, all, so it's not as expensive. And then the pop top, um, 
I mean, I only have two pedals. It's just those two. The pop top was just kind of born out of like the geekery of like the pro audio, like past that John and I like share. Cause he was like, you know, rec audio pro guy or rec dot rec dot audio dot pro or whatever. I think that's what it was mm-hmm. like back in the day. And like, you know, like early message boards and things were like, you know, always like rec dot something dot something. And, um, yeah, so he had been kind of developing like products, but he had like an op amp that he liked. I was like, let's make a, just like a boost pedal. And, um, actually I wanted to do a bunch of things with that op amp, but I think the supply chain and like reality kind of came in. I was, I wanted to do like an EQ pedal based on that op amp and I wanted to do a drive pedal. And he's like, he's like, how are you going to like overdrive this op amp that has like, just like so much freaking headroom. I was like, I don't know. We'll Crazy figure it out. Like, yeah. So it's got like 36 volts of headroom. It's like way, <laughs> it's a ton. That is a ton. That is a huge sine wave. So like yeah. to start to get it to break out. stuff. So, so I, I, I haven't been able to play the F stop. We'll figure it out. The, the reverb trem pedal yet. But um, I did give the the pop top a try um, again at, at CME because that's usually the place that stocks all the crazy stuff around here. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's an insane amount of headroom. Like it's it is a badass boost pedal, man. And that's that's what I was like curious about was like kind of how you landed on that design. But um, I would like yeah, to. I wanted it to be like recording equipment from the seventies, which is like, you know, kind of another one of those throw it out the window things. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I kind of wanted that kind of vibe, but for guitar. And then also the people that are really like into the audio geekery, you can actually open up the pop top and pull the op amp out and put a different one in. And there's a bunch of vintage ones that'll work. And then there's other companies that make them. Cool. Um, so you could have like a whole library of different op amps like an API 2520 or like the Jensen, I think it's the J99. And then there's like clones of them. And then there's like websites where you can like build your own op amps and you can put those in. And it's just, it's just like another fun thing, kind of like swapping tubes, but it's not like a little chip. It's like a big ass, like <laughs> op amp. That's big. It's like, you know, that's awesome. It's like a, I think it's like an inch square or something. So it's really easy to like just pull the thing out and they have these big pins, pop another one in. That's badass. Um, I didn't know so you, I didn't know you could swap that. them out. That's yeah, you can swap them out. You could plug if you if you had a transformer, like a little like mic to line transformer thing. You could use it as a mic preamp. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> like a, a five hundred series mic preamp. That's like a thousand dollars. Like it's just an op amp like that with like a transformer in front good to so know you could easily gonna beat the it. system out here <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly you could use it one of the coolest like uh demo moments when people were demoing that pedal was andy from um well he was like from you know he's like the guy he's like andy he's, the guy he's right andy, really he's andy. Yeah, name, yeah. yeah he's the guy he turned us down for you know interview. he is <laughs> uh yeah, I think he's pretty busy. With, you know, I'm surprised he even like worked, you know, did my stuff. But anyways, he's <laughs> he did this thing where he had like a hundred foot guitar cable, and he had like plugged in, and then he like turned the pop top on with the 
the volume like all the way down to just Unity game to drive the 100-foot guitar cable. And it was like, the difference was like ridiculous. <laughs> just having like something drive the line. It was like, you know, these op amps were used to drive tape machines mm-hmm. from like, you know, recording consoles. So you'd have to hit the tape machine with a lot of signal, especially if you want to like saturate the tape. Um, so they just have like tons of power. And you can actually plug the pop top into a speaker if you really want to get crazy with it. It'll, it'll drive a speaker. That's badass, man. That's funny. I just want to discover what else it will do. Yeah. We're going to buy pop tops, yeah, boys. Your laundry. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll do I left laundry. my pop top in the laundry room and I came back the next morning and it was all folded. So I don't, don't want to say it was. <laughs> I was really stressed out about doing my taxes, so I left my W four on top of the pop top. <laughs> Never yeah, exactly. seen so much headroom on that ten forty, son. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> hey, you don't know till you try it. Apparently, that's funny. That's so basically where we at. The amps are the prettiest sounding amps you'll ever hear in the whole world, and the the boost will do your taxes. That's a great conclusion. Yep. Yeah. I think we landed at the right spot here. (laughs) Give, give all your money to milkman. (laughs) Dylan says that about every person we interview. Just give all your money to every company. There's a reason I don't have money guys. Cause I give it to every person we interview. (laughs) But I'm curious, like where or Chicago music is king. Yeah, it's that's it's those are the big two. Yeah, but uh, usually I give it to the person we interview, and then CME if we haven't interviewed the person yet, you know. <laughs> so, well, I was gonna say CME was one of my like first dealers when I first started like having dealers, and I basically like built an amp and sent it to them to like evaluate. And they're like, we sold it. There's another one. I was like, okay. It's <laughs> like the same kind of process. It's just like, yeah, they're like, okay, well, people are buying them, so I guess we'll order some. It's like the same kind of start that I have with like everything else. It's like, I guess we, we do this now. Like, now I have a dealer. <laughs> and, when did that start? And that was in 2015, maybe? 2016? Okay, so you've been there for so, a while. Not that, that long, I mean. Oh, okay, time. yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> that <laughs> was uh, been that long. It feels like it's not that long. Just like Dylan, that was my my first experience with the Milkman amp, also. But being here in Chicago, that seems yeah. everyone has the same experience because, you know, where else do you go? It, yeah. I wish I have. I could have. I could go there. I haven't been to Chicago since before. It was last time I was in Chicago was with my old band and it was a long time ago, like before I even built amp. Um, so come on up, we man. We'll hang out. Music. It'll yeah, be awesome. Yeah, we'll, hang. <laughs> we'll all go see me together. <laughs> <laughs> we'll play your amps together. Yeah, I'd love to go there. I'd love to go there. <laughs> we already included you. You're the fourth never, best yeah, friend I mean, it now. It's like know? an amazing store. I've, I've, it's like just from their like social media and stuff. Like the place looks beautiful. Like they have like all the like vintage gear that you would want. And then they're like, Oh, CME like synth section. Like, Oh yeah. Okay. I could spend half a day doing that. You know, they're doing, they got synths now. They got everything. Like, I don't know. 
It's yeah. a trap. All yeah. of it. Their, their, their wall of Paul yeah. is, is quite addicting to hang out around because you're just like, wow, I can just grab some, you know, custom shop, heavy relic, you know, $8,000 guitars. And Murphy can, Lab, yeah, Les Paul. And you just right. grab that off the wall and no one's like, ah. And then you could plug it into, you know, a milkman Well, yeah, you go into the little rooms and they're like, oh, there's a milkman amp. There's a Dr. Z amp. There's, there's all this like crazy, like, man. I just want to stay here yeah, forever. Yeah, they, they do. They sell Benson and stuff. Yeah, there. exactly. I remember so when just... Benson started selling there, I was like, great. I was like, I'm done. Like, <laughs> Chris Benson's in town. But luckily, again, his stuff is so different than mine that we can, like, coexist. Great. <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah, this is my, my full recommendation to any listeners. If you don't buy a milkman, I would highly recommend buying a Benson because he's one of the only people – that actually like does things right about like everything's done right. And there's so many people in the music business that just don't do that. And Chris's stuff is just like, you know, on the level that you mm-hmm. want it to be at. Yeah. I see what you're saying. And uh, a lot of things aren't on that level, but you know, people still get, you know, they don't be fooled. Don't, you know, I say it's hard because things are like expensive, you know, so, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know the idea that you can get something that's inexpensive, and you're like, it's just good, but it's like not because it's just not gonna. They just don't last. But like your Benson amp that you get will last a long time. Well, yeah, that's or that's your milkman amp. Your milkman amp thrown out of the thrown pickup from truck. a pickup truck. I mean, I think you investment. need to do an ad campaign. <laughs> <laughs> milkman amps gets thrown out of a pickup and it's still going. <laughs> I think we got to get like David Letterman back on the air. Let me just drop things off the roof of the Letterman show. Like mm-hmm. that's what we got to do. Look, Man, if you want to send us get, a like, couple, we'll run you know. some tests. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You guys got tall buildings in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Figure out the sidewalk. Yeah. What a terrible. 70 test. stories up. How does it, how does it fare? <laughs> now that's some clickbait yeah. video right there. We're dropping milkman himself a yeah. building. What? You know how many angry people you'd have in the world? Yeah, exactly. We, we'd get unsubscribers for sure. <laughs> no, it had to be like, we, we dropped 17 amps off the top of a building. You won't believe number nine. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, now, what happened with that ninth amp that they dropped off? This I'm is, trying to think of like some horrible amp that just survives all the tests. Fender Rumble 15, baby. Let's go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, the, the the PV amps will survive. They're like the Twinkies of amps. Like the '80s PV. They never like, expire. <laughs> no, they last forever. Like so many like ratty like punk bands and shit just like crank every knob to ten and played, and they just those amps are incredible. But they that they survive all that. A lot of the um, steel guitar players use like old '80s PVs and stuff too that are just you know. They just go and go and go. Well, who was it from? Pretty uh, impressive. From I think it was Queens of the Stone Age because I think it was. The um, crate. What are you talking about? The crate? No, no, no. It was a it was a PV was decade. It, PV? it was called, and it was like this shitty practice amp. And the guy from Queens of the Stone Age said, "Like that's the amp I used on all of songs for the deaf." <laughs> and like, if you yeah, go on reverb, they're me. like eleven hundred dollars. For like a five watt solid because state practice amp, like it's ridiculous. That is a great guitar tone on an album. There's no, it's all mid range. There's just like nothing. 
<laughs> just like a sheen of mid range. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't realize it was a PVM, but it makes sense now. <laughs> but it was it was like a really crappy PV amp that he said, and uh, <laughs> yeah, here we go. Look at this ten watt solid state. <laughs> They're going for nine hundred dollars. This one was listed for two thousand, and it's literally wow. It's like a hundred dollar amp. <laughs> it was probably eighty well, bucks back in the day. <laughs> like, yeah, it's probably pretty cheap. Yeah, but apparently but that's yeah. what that. That they, was used on that album, you know? Yeah, I, my shop used to be over a recording studio, and there was like a little PV amp, probably the same thing as that. That like one of the guys who ran the studio, the guitar player, was like, yeah, that's like the amp I use for like every like metal album we do here. Like that's the amp. Like, and they did a lot of metal albums. <laughs> it's very unmetal <laughs> cool. assuming. It's so tiny. That's the best yeah, part. Yeah, but that's the thing about, that's a secret to... Um, like recording amps is like the smaller the amps, like the bigger the tone when it's recorded. For so, sure. So like the Rolling Stones, the Who, they all use like little five watt amps with eight inch speakers. And then I do that too. Like I, I do a lot of recording with like the Ox from Universal Audio. Mm-hmm. And I'll use a tiny like VibroChamp cab, like the smallest cab in there. Just hit that thing with an amp and like fuzz pedal and it just sounds better than the 412. Even the like little like modeler version of it. Yeah, uh, I. That's why I built those little like mini stacks. I don't know if you've seen those. They're like the little eight-inch speaker with like a little head on top. I have those things shred. I've been very disappointed. I can't find one for sale <laughs> recently. I'm going through my oh, own, yeah. own amp drama right now. I uh, I had a Fender Champ, decided to sell it. I had a Blues Junior, and then my my brother and I were out to lunch, and there was this guy selling uh, an Ampeg on the street for 40 bucks. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy it. And as soon as I bought it, I'm like, wait a minute. We walked here. Like, we had to walk half a mile back home with this thing. And then as soon as I started playing, I, I used the line in, and I'm playing it for a while. And then I sell my Blues Junior because I don't need it anymore, and then my Ampeg broke. So now I'm in, I'm going to end up getting a PV now because I can't break it. Well, you can't afford a PV anymore. <laughs> you can't afford okay. it. Yeah, you can't afford <laughs> a PV anymore. Damn. You might as well get a milkman if you there were going to get people, a PV decade, my guy. <laughs> there are people that can repair these things, you know. Yeah, probably that's on my list. What? Chicago Music Exchange. Yeah, probably. That's good. Your brother works at Chicago Music Exchange, dude. <laughs> He's not going to take it from me. He doesn't like me enough. <laughs> Have him smuggle it into the repair shop, you know. Just put a fake tag on it. <laughs> no, you didn't do this one yet. Yeah. That's a genius idea. I'm just going to start sneaking all my gear in there. See, yeah, fourth best friend. He's in the loop, man. Yeah, he's, he's, loop. he's dialed in. All right, what do you guys need uh, snuck in there? It's the repair shop. No, it's not what I need snuck in. It's what I need it's snuck, snuck out. out. Yeah. <laughs> This is a joke. We're not stealing things from Chicago Music <laughs> Exchange. <laughs> if anyone's listening, we're not going to steal anything. Don't worry. Just going to get my yeah, brother no, fired. Done. Yeah, that, yeah, that one's that one's a rough look. If someone decides <laughs> to take our podcast out of context, <laughs> no, actually, we're just going to put that whole segment out as a clip, an audio clip. <laughs> no context at all. Just be like, <laughs> take everything. Anyway, we'll employ your brother if he gets fired for it. That's yeah. not well, true. You, 
you know that they'll be listening when you next time you go to Chicago Music Exchange and there's like a room of PVs that are like thirteen hundred dollars. They like the vintage PV wall. Someone follows us into the room. <laughs> They're just like, "Hey, man, uh, we heard your podcast." <laughs> or we uh, we walk yeah, in. There's thanks a, for the great idea. We now have a vintage PV section, like the wall of. What's the wall of Paul and the wall of PVs. Yeah. <laughs> or just a bunch of milkman amps beat up because they're thrown out of trucks and <laughs> proven to survive. Oh, Hartley. It was Hartley PV is the guy who, who designed all those amps. Uh-huh. The wall of Hartley. Oh. That's even a better that's name. Got a, that's got a great ring to it. I like that. They have the uh, the wall of line six spiders there too, I guess. <laughs> it's the next move. <laughs> What is, what's the line six spider selling for now? I would assume like six dollars, <laughs> probably somewhere around there. There was no, so there was no like Josh Scott effect for that. He used to like always talk about that thing. You know what's funny is uh, I've seen I them. Guess. Yeah, uh, forty nine ninety nine. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, I've seen stuff where like people have made pedals out of like the whatever they called it, like the insane mode or whatever on the line six spiders. But like the actual line oh, yeah, six yeah, spider yeah. is forty nine dollars. <laughs> like they're selling for so cheap. So the pedal three, the boutique. Yeah, pedals three hundred. The actual amp is <laughs> it's fifty bucks. Oh, that's a marketing opportunity for somebody. You just take the line six spider, put it into like a bigger amp. You know. Yeah, it's a boutique. You never know what's in there. Boutique solid state. Exactly. It's the next next way. Put it in the walnut cabinet. Maybe that's what milkman stuff is. Like underneath the board, pull up all the hand wired crap, and it's just like a line six spider. <laughs> With like, just like four nine volt batteries or whatever to keep it going for a period of time. We're just going to name that amp the placebo. <laughs> yep. I play, yeah, so I played Josh Scott. There's some, when he did the Milkman pedal, like the slap boot pedal, mm-hmm. like, you know, we were, I went to Kansas City and we were just kind of like messing around and he's like, you know, you got to try that Atlantic Spider. And I was like, played the Atlantic Spider. And actually, like, it was not bad. I was surprised that, I mean, the reverb and stuff was terrible, but. <laughs> Dude, that's such, like, such a clean wild guitar thing. Tone. I don't know how to feel about the yeah, like we're interviewing you about your crazy boutique amazing sounding amps and you're like you know what line six spider <laughs> underrated because <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I own 45 of them I'm trying to boost the value of you're waiting so for Metallica to come out and be like <laughs> Master of Puppets was actually yeah, exactly. all a line six spider dude <laughs> Yeah, the John Mayer selfie in front of the Line 6 spider could change things. <laughs> oh, my God. It's funny. We've joked about buying this gear that no one knows the stories about as soon as we figure out these little underground stories <laughs> and just boosting the prices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. So we got to buy like, a- um, You know, Josh does those, like, his show and on some pedal and then all of a sudden the value of the pedal it shoots up he's like he's like you didn't know that you know the behringer pedal dollar dodd pedal was a clon or something yeah and you're like, like what and next thing you know they're four hundred dollars like thanks josh like <laughs> how about like the heads up next time you do that 
Yeah, just like, just give me two or three. So if that ever happens with your amps, as the fourth best friend in the crew now, like we need you to give us a heads up and be like, "Hey, this person just bought one. This album coming out slaps. You gotta buy up all of these and just wait." There's no insider trading laws for amps. I don't know, like who, who like would do that. Like I don't know if like people like monitor, like who's using the stuff close enough to actually like affect it like that. So I don't know. I mean, the John Mayer thing was obviously like a big, you know, gasoline fire when that happened. But like, I don't know. They're now, I feel like so many people use them now that people are just like, oh yeah, okay, cool. I feel like anything you know, John so, Mayer touches, people buy until it's triple the original price. And then I'm going to sneak around and like put the metal master <laughs> on someone's board and take a quick picture and like, yeah. look, here's the secret. <laughs> that would be so funny. We got to go to a John Mayer show and just put like the most ridiculous pedal. We can get a ton of on his board, take a picture, <laughs> post it. It'll go crazy on Reddit. People are like, you're telling me John Mayer uses a <laughs> Digitech metal master. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dude. That's where the tone comes from. We're going to be millionaires. Yeah. All right. Well, I used to be like really into fish when I was like in high school. And, you know, of course, I had to buy all the pedals that like Trey was using. Mm -hmm. So I went to like the place where I bought my Paul Reed Smith in 1993. And like there was like a hair metal guitar shop in Connecticut. Like they had a rock compressor. And I was like, oh, how, you know, how much for that? And he's like, how much you got? I was like, I was like, I was like, I have $12. He's like, 12 bucks? I was like, okay. Now the pedal's worth so much freaking money. I can't even believe it. But I just like, you know, it's my $12 pedal. So I like keep the shit out of it in college and high school on my pedal board. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's hardly pristine, but I do have the box somewhere. Oh, that's Ooh, Josh Scott is proud that. of you, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little, uh, I know. I always tell him that story. I'm like, dude, I got my Rossi press for 12 bucks in the box with the foam in the box. They didn't know what it was. They didn't care. It was just some piece of crap that they wanted to get rid of. And this you know, 14 year old, like with $12 wanted it. So like off it went, take it. Why not? You should have started at seven bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I should have kept two, I should have like 10 and then I could have kept the two bucks. But, yeah. Yeah. Regrets looking back. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it would have been, <laughs> been a different, different story altogether <laughs> if that happened, you know? Yeah. But that so many like older musicians have like stories like that where they got stuff for like so cheap and you know my uncle was giving it away or whatever and it's just like you know it's those kind of stories are just like fewer and fewer these days it's like almost the score stories like it's like you know, it's like not, what, not like how it used to be it's frustrating almost because i've i watched the the gibson collection on their gibson tv channel on YouTube and so many times where they're like, Oh, I got this, you know, famous guitar that's named whatever. And you know, like, you know, I found it from a pawn shop or I bought it from here. It's just like these random little finds. And you're like, everything's so well documented now. I don't know if that'll ever happen unless it's not like some like person to person sale. No, I still see it on Reddit. People will be like, Hey, I was driving down the street and I found this, uh, Fender super reverb on the curb. Like, I need to find these curbs. I know. <laughs> I need to find yeah. the curbs. <laughs> but, that used to happen to me all the time because I, I would, um, 
you know, I, like when I lived in New York, I'd like rehearse at like a rehearsal space and like people would just like throw stuff in the garbage. And I would just be like, well, I mean, it's probably can be fixed. And then my shop in San Francisco was in a rehearsal studio for a long time. And it was the same kind of thing. People would just like put stuff out and be like, oh, okay. Like, you know, this, this works. <laughs> so I take it out of the garbage and bring it upstairs. But then when I worked at that like TV repair place, like people also would drop off like music equipment and stuff. And, you know, I got all kind of like a Fender Rhodes and all kinds of, I think I had a Hammond organ and a Leslie speaker and a sun amp and like all that shit. I should have kept it all, but you know, it's kind of hard to move the, from one coast to the other with like every piece of vintage gear you scored. <laughs> it's hard uh, to oh, move. I have a drum machine that was found in a dump in Vermont. I like traded a stereo that I had that didn't work for it from a friend of mine. <laughs> you know, it's like that thing's worth so much freaking money now, but he was like in the dump in like, you know, Colchester, Vermont. And you just thought to grab it because, I mean, like, you know. Well, we're going to start dumpster diving. To somebody. Yeah, the dump has, I mean, a lot of stuff is in the dump. Because people just used to throw shit out like we throw shit out now. Except back then they were throwing out shit that was like, you know, your blonde basement or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, my grandma played in church and this was their amp and they, we just threw it out. So it's in there somewhere. Get, get your shovels. <laughs> Oh man, we need to figure out some stuff like that. We'll go. We'll go hunting in the dump. We'll we'll find some crazy yeah. gear. We'll shoot the you a tax Let you know. Let <laughs> me know. Any garbage you find, send it to me, and I could probably get it going again. We'll we'll find a couple couple two tree line six spiders and. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing with the plastic amps, though. You're never going to find them in the dump because you, you, you can only find like metal. Ooh. Right, you need like the metal detector to find. We'll find some other amps that the, the real treasures. We'll find some amps that didn't survive being thrown out of a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like when somewhere when there's like a hurricane in Florida, I'm always like, what? So, like there must be like just tons of people had like music stuff in their house. Like, what do they do? Do they like take it with them? Like if some guy is like a guitar collector and he's like a hurricane's coming, like do you pack up the collection or what? Like what? I, I always wonder, like kind of. I mean, I would. I, I totally would. Well, there's yeah, especially when you know the news. I know that like a lot of the car people do. Did like, we have the a class whole... of car people like get the cars out? Oh, for sure. But didn't we have a whole, we did a drunk episode and one of the questions was like, if there's some sort of disaster, oh, yeah, which, what's your, what's your first piece of gear you're grabbing? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember those answers. I remember you guys told me I couldn't take my pedal board. You said I would have to pick a pedal off the pedal board, which I thought was bullshit, but <laughs> it's so big. You can't fit it through the door though. <laughs> in a, in a, I could fit it through a, a door. Heap, in a heap of panic. No, you said that my pedal board is what caused the fire, which I thought was uncalled for. I don't know. If I was if a hurricane was coming, I think I'd try and bury my stuff. Like I can't what? I can't <laughs> water soaks into the ground. Oh you're right. That is true. I'm, I'm plastic well, bagging could, everything. <laughs> Vacuum. You get one of those like Yeti coolers or something that like you know, the Yeti like really seals up good. Yeah, my whole pedal board's in there. Pedals and shit in there, yeah. 
Well, because think about it, you can't, you don't want to put it in your basement either because it might flood. If you don't want to put it in your roof because you might not have a roof when you come back. <laughs> you throw it in the trunk of your car and you get you the fuck eat. out of there. <laughs> like, that's what I do. Dylan's leaving his family. <laughs> Leave the family, grab the guitars and amps. That's, <laughs> am I wrong in this? I mean, if your pedal board is big enough, it's like a raft. You can just like wrap away on it's, it. With a, Dylan's board is my, my my pedal board is the door at the end of the Titanic. Like there definitely can fit a few people on there. I might not want to, but you could fit a few people on there. But it's only gonna be you. It's just gonna be me floating away. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I think the new Line Six pedal is buoyant. You know, like it's so big and bubbly, like it it might float. Oh, so you get enough of those on a pedal board. I never thought of that. That's a good point. Can, Great. Now I'm going to look yeah. at survivability. Can, someone needs to figure out which pedal floats. Yeah. I'll have to call Joel and see if the automaton floats. Because <laughs> I feel like, if anything, that would be the most buoyant of the pedals I have. Those sliders well, the really... would float because the tube, the tube and the amp pedal, like. Oh, there you go. I mean, it doesn't have air in it, but it, it is. I would assume a vacuum would float. I, you know, I don't know, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, does a vacuum tube float? We're going to so say it, but yes. But there's air in it, so air. I, I don't, don't want to There's a light bulb. It. If a light bulb floats, then a tube would float. So I guess we could figure this out in our bathtub. So basically later. what we're saying is buy Milkman amps, they'll save your life in a flood. <laughs> Possibly the pine float for sure. Wood float, pine and tube. Yeah, dude, done deal. That's well, an authentic claim we're making. Positive buoyancy. <laughs> well, you know the freaking <laughs> glaciers are melting and shit. Like we're all going to be underwater, so <laughs> get you, we got to figure out what's going to float with us. Yeah, get yourself right. Buy a milkman amp. The next line of milkman amps is going to have a pool cord for a raft. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, vests on the airplanes, you know, just puffs up. Yeah, there's you a life raft under the reverb tank <laughs> that you can pull out in an emergency, and because then you get wet, to take it blinking automatically. Because then you get to take your gear and your family. <laughs> Dylan, see, we solved your problem yeah. of you leaving everyone behind. <laughs> I just need to buy choice. Milkman amps. I gotta, I gotta save up some cash. I gotta go get some some Milkman stuff. <laughs> It'll save my family. I'm glad we could figure this out, guys. We worked through a lot today. I think that's where we should leave this episode. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that's Milkman Amp Save Lives. That's the, <laughs> the end result of this episode. All right, that's my marketing thing. is the most buoyant amp <laughs> on the market. Not a lot of people can claim that. The tone oh is God. so the cream, the cream floats to the top, right? Hey, let's go! go. Right. That's that's got to be the the final <laughs> quote right here. Oh my God, that's so good. You top. don't need to endorse artists. That was that was perfect. that was oh, just chef's kiss, just absolute perfection. <laughs> On that note, everybody, go give Tim all your money. Go to Milkman Amps. Might save you one day. So it's milkmansound.com. Go to milkmansound.com. Buy pedals, buy amps, buy t-shirts. Whatever they're selling, give them all your money so you don't float away in a flood. Perfect logic. There we go. Cream rises to the top, baby. Let's go. 
Tim, thanks for uh, joining us for this ridiculous conversation. Yeah, it's fun.